following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Well, last week we heard about not being afraid. We learned that fear not is a command, not just a suggestion. We heard that everything that happens to us has got to pass through God's hands first. So now this morning I'm going to challenge you to not be afraid, but to trust and to obey what God would give you. Today we're going to look at understanding the gospel and being prepared to share your testimony. After all, God's going to put people in your path that need to know. The challenge will be, am I ready? Do I know how to easily explain God's plan of salvation for man? Can I just speak that in my own words, in my own way, so that people can understand or or not? Look with me for a minute to 1 Peter 3. We're going to look at verses 8 to 16. 1 Peter 3, 8 to 16. I'll give you a minute in case your electronics takes a second to come up. <laughs> or you might actually be using the written word. 1 Peter 3, 8 to 16. And I think Joel will have it up here on the screen. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you can obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what's good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. And this is the part to not be afraid of now. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Well, there's a lot of ways that we can share the good news that we know of salvation in Christ. I'll share with you today my take on that. But the way you share that with who God puts in your life, that's that's got to be your way. And so I'm I'm hopefully going to take you through a process today that will help you find how to explain that or how to share that. Myself, I think, especially if I know or or don't know if this person has a relationship with the Lord or not, or even has a background in church, I, I try to stay away from religious jargon. You know what I mean by that? I mean, words that we, we may use them as commonplace words now, 
You know, we talk about uh, sanctification or we can talk about even even sin. Um, I'm not saying to water down God's message. I'm just saying, say it in a way somebody who's not spiritual would understand. You know, so instead of sin, you talk about disobeying what God wants. You're still talking about sin, but you're saying it in a way that somebody could grasp and somebody could understand. They need to understand the good news of salvation in Christ, not just hear the words. And so many times I've seen folks, they'll, they'll pull out a little track or they've got something stuck in the front of their Bible and they know just what to say as they go down through this list. And that's not going to be as effective as you being able to say what's on your heart and what kind of relationship you have with the Word. Uh, so try to just avoid churchy words. That's my first piece of advice. I think God wants you to know his plan of salvation so well that you can tell it to someone without hesitation. That's a challenge. I think he wants you to know and be able to explain his plan of salvation without having to hesitate, without having to say, wait a minute, let me get my Bible. Let me, you know, what does it mean, this relationship you found with Christ? And I think that's true about your testimony, too. By testimony, I mean sharing with somebody how you came to commit your life to Christ. But we'll talk about that in in a few minutes. But now let me review the gospel together with you. How do I explain what this plan is that God has for a lost and dying world? First of all, God loves you. God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. He's got special stuff already carved out and ready for you. He wants to bless you. Now I'm going to share with you some scripture verses today that back up each of these things I tell you as I understand God's plan of salvation. But trust me, I don't want you to go home and memorize the scripture verses. Okay? Because walking up to a friend who has no spiritual relationship with the Lord and doesn't understand this church stuff, he doesn't need to know what John 3.16 says. He needs to know what you know that John 3.16 says, you know? So, I mean, we can look at that and we say, God loves me and I know that because he gave me his son. If I would just believe and trust in him, that he would give me new life. But I just I need I just need to understand that he's got this wonderful plan for me and that he loves me. If they ask you about it, it would be good for you to be able to say, well, I know what it says in the book of John, you know, that God gave his son, sacrificed him because he loved me that much. But what's important for you is to know that God loves each one of us. And he doesn't wait until we're right. He doesn't wait until we've got all the bad things pushed out of the way. He just loves us. In John 10.10, he says, uh, I have come so that you can have life and have it to the fullest. That's here. That's now. That's not waiting till you die to get to heaven and say, I trusted in Jesus. I'm going to be okay. No, he wants to bless you right now. You know, that's why I say he's got a great plan for your life. And so that's the first point that you need to remember. God loves you. He's got a wonderful plan for your for your life. Secondly, we need to understand that man disobeys God. We don't, we can't do what God wants us to do. 
And because of that, we're separated from Him. I can't have fellowship with a God who's a perfect God, and yet I contain these sinful, disobedient things. Whoops, I used that word. Disobedience better. Don't say sinful. They won't understand sin if they aren't there yet. You see what I'm saying? But man has disobeyed God, so therefore I'm separated from him. So I can't experience what he's got for me. He's got a beautiful plan. He's offered me new life. He's got love for me, but I can't get it. Romans 3.23 says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Or 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But again, don't memorize the scripture verses. Remember the fact that I've disobeyed God and because of that I can't have fellowship with him. That's the important part. You know, I, that's there. Third, God has only made one avenue for me to take care of my disobedience. There's only one way, Christ and what he's done on the cross. That's the only provision God has made for my disobedience. There isn't any other way. He didn't say, make sure you give 10% to your church. He didn't say, sing in the choir. He didn't say any of that stuff. He said, trust that I've given my son for you because I love you and I want to take care of that disobedience that you've got. Christ is God's only provision. Matthew 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Didn't wait for me to good, be right or good. He just said, my son has given his life for you. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one, comes to the Father except through me. So the important part to remember, Jesus is the only provision for my disobedience. It's the only way. And the fourth point, that we must individually receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Nobody else can do it for me. My kids didn't get saved because they grew up in a pastor's house. They didn't get saved because they went to Sunday school. No. They got saved when it came to the point where they could say to the Lord, I want you into my life as Savior and Lord. I must individually receive Christ as my Savior. John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe on his name. That's individual. Nobody can do it for you. You can't, you can't uh, save your spouse. You can't save your kids. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, By grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of works that no one could boast. Now, if you took good notes, that's good. And now that you did that, I'm going to tell you that on the stand on your way out, I have a paper that gives you all those Bible references and all of those four points, because I want you to learn that this week. I want you to spend some time and know so that if somebody comes to you and says, can you tell me what this thing is of new life in Christ, that you can say, I know that God loves you, and he's got a plan for your life, and I've been disobedient, I can't do everything that God wants me to do, 
Therefore, I've got separation from God. But I'm thankful that he's provided Christ and his sacrifice on the cross the only way. And that if I individually say to the Lord, I love you and I want to believe in what Christ has done, I want him to be my Savior and my Lord, that it'll happen. God loves you. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. It's also important for us to be able to share our personal testimony. And by that I mean be able to say to somebody, and for those of you that are verbose, three to five minutes, a short thing. I had sometimes, one time in a small group we were doing, a small group Bible study, I said, you know, it would be fun for just to take a few minutes and share how you came to Christ. And I don't remember who it was, and I wouldn't embarrass you if I did, but we didn't get to study that night. <laughs> we took the hour listening to what God had done, and that's a wonderful thing. But when you're sharing your testimony with somebody just to explain it, what it needs to be pretty short. So we're going to go over some examples today, but um, before we do that, I want us to turn to Acts chapter 26. And you can come back to Acts 26 later in the week. Um, and it's a longer reading, but I want you to hear the whole chapter. And I mean the whole, yeah, the whole chapter 6, 26. And, and the reason is this. This is a biblical example of the Apostle Paul giving his testimony. So we can look at what Paul said to King Agrippa, and we can learn from that, well, how do I put the pieces together so that I can share what God has done in my life? So listen as I read to you, or you can follow along in the, in the Pew Bible or on the screen. This, again, is Paul's testimony. So Agrippa said to Paul, you had permission to speak for yourself, Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it's before you, King Agrippa. I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you're familiar with all the customs and the controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, It's known by all the Jews. They've known for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest part of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I'm accused by Jews, O King, Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues, and I tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. And in connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of chief priests. At midday, O king, 
I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in a Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick at the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I've appeared to you for a purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you've seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they can turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they can receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and they tried to kill me. To this day, I've had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to great and small, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ would suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking the truth and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, well, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become as I am, such as I am, except for these chains. And then the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with him. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. Now, the reason I share that is because I wanted you to notice three major components of what Paul went through as he brought his case before Agrippa. And he wasn't there pleading to get out of punishment or confinement or anything else. He was there representing the Lord. And he wanted to share the newfound faith that he had in this Jesus of Nazareth. He did three simple things. He comes into King Agrippa and he says, King Agrippa, let me tell you what I used to be like. Let me tell you the man I used to be. 
I was this guy persecuting. I was this guy who went and got the letter so I could go get him and take him to jail. I was this man who would applaud and cheer as they were killing them, these Christians. That's who I was. That was his first step. His second step, he said, let me tell you how things began to change. I was walking along the road and the light got bright and all around the rest of the guys with me. And the Lord spoke to me. It was so magnanimous, we ended up flat on the ground. And I heard his voice. And so the second thing he takes time doing as he comes before Agrippa, he says, first, this is the kind of man I used to be. Secondly, here's how I met Christ. And thirdly, he says, this is how I'm different now that Christ is in my life. Pretty simple. I mean, we took a chunk of scripture to look at it, but basically he said, here's what I used to be. Here's how I came to know the Lord. Here's what I'm like now. What we read earlier, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy And here it is, always being prepared to make a defense to anybody who asks the reason for the hope that's in you. That's what I believe God's preparing us for today, to be ready to share that and yet to do it with gentleness and respect and a good conscience. I hope we don't just go through our worship songs and sing and not think about what we sing. One of the things that usually happens, not always, but usually, uh, Ben or Heather will get a clue as to where the message is headed so that as the pieces are put together in forming our time of worship together, those songs in worship kind of fill in and encourage and strengthen the word that's being preached that day. I want you to think of just a couple of lines from the songs that you have already worshipped God with this morning. You sang, if they could see how much you're worth. Did we mean it? If so, then we need to spend some time getting this down so that I can explain God's plan of salvation and I can share very quickly how I came to know the Lord. If they could see how much... Your worth. Well, they can if we're willing to show them. And then we just finished up by singing, King of Heaven will answer the call. Will we? I know that God is going to put people in your life as you go throughout the next week to challenge you. People who need to know Christ people who your life can touch and make a difference. And so I'm going to challenge you on your way out this morning, being the teacher side of me, to take one of these handouts that's on the stand just at the entrance 
or uh, the door going out of the sanctuary. It gives the plan of salvation there, but also it gives you your homework. A story of redemption. And it goes through some of the things I've talked about today. What were your, what was your life like before? How did you meet Christ? What's it like afterwards? And you fill it in. And then it's going to take some time to get to the point where you can share that in three to five minutes. Now, we look at Acts 26 and we say, we're going to read that whole thing. But you know what? Paul's testimony that we just shared was about four minutes. So, it can be done. We just need to work at it. I'm going to give you some helpful hints before you take your homework. Pray before you begin to write out and share your story. Talk to the Lord. As you write, write the way you speak. Just make it natural. Put down the words the way you would actually say them. Don't be overly negative or positive, but just be honest. Be honest. I mentioned before, think about your listeners. Usually you try to avoid churchy or religious terms. Say the same thing, but say it in ways that's easy to understand. Keep it short, three to five minutes. And then practice telling your story to somebody else. Practice. Just do it. Say, all right, I got this done. Want to listen? Follow Paul's example. What was your life like before you surrendered to Christ? How were you converted? How were you brought into the kingdom? And thirdly, how was your life made different? I would be remiss as well not to say uh, if you hear all these things and you say, well, I've never taken that step. You know, I'm not ready to write my story yet because I don't have a story yet. So as we conclude today, I want to just lift uh, each of us up in prayer. Pray that God will bless as you do your homework and that if you've never made that commitment and maybe today's the first day that you really understood what God is doing with his plan of salvation, that you just say, Lord, take my heart. You know, I want, I, I want to trust you. I believe that what Christ did on the cross, he did because of me. He did for me, and he loves me, and I want to see his plan in my life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to be able to share that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And I just pray, Lord, your blessing on us as we work to be your people, prepared and ready if there are any, Lord, here that have never made that commitment, I pray that you'd move on their hearts today just to say, yes, yes, Lord, I want you to be master of my life. I believe your son died for me without cause, but because you, Father, have put him as the only way, my disobedience can get wiped clean and be made new. Hear our hearts, Lord. We want to serve you. We love you. We worship you, and we give you thanks in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.